All right, we are, we have come to the end of the book of Ruth. We have been journeying through this uh, exciting, exciting story for the past six weeks now, and uh, we have reached the end. And so today we are going to look at Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 22, and you can find that in your pew Bibles on page 416. Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashan, Nashan, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. Thus ends our reading of God's holy word. May all who hear it receive the victory that can only come through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it feel like to experience victory? What does true triumph even look like? We live in a world that has cheapened what it means to be victorious. We, we honor achievements that are superficial and, and meaningless while at the same time ignore work that has any type of real value. Listen to the words of one of our worldly heroes. Listen to what Tom Brady had to say after winning his third Super Bowl. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I I reached my goal, my dream, my life. I I think there's got to be more to this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I love playing football and I love being quarterback for this team, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. Now, one would think that after winning three Super Bowls, that this man would be satisfied with what he had accomplished. But apparently not. Maybe this is what drove him to ultimately winning seven, right? Perhaps he tasted this worldly victory and and still felt empty. He still felt lost. Maybe he still felt like his achievements didn't measure up. And so he kept pushing himself and pushing himself, hoping, hoping to experience something that is real, something that would satisfy his soul. 
Did victory number seven give that to him? I don't know. My guess is probably not. We are now at the end of our study of this amazing book entitled Ruth, a a book that highlights, for one, God's providence, how, how he works out his purposes through the mundane, through the ordinary things of this world. Uh, It's also a book that focuses on God's hesed love, a a love that is kind, a love that is loyal, a love that shows great mercy. And the book also magnifies God's redemption, does it not? How, How he mends that which is broken and restores that which is lost. And we have seen all these things through the life of this Remarkable, remarkable woman named Naomi. If you remember, she had had lost everything. Husband, sons, and even her own wealth. She was a, a broken soul who was without hope. And because of her brokenness, because of the pain that she felt, she had developed this bitter, bitter heart towards her God. And yet, it was her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who who began to restore the hope that she once had. And and Ruth did so through her fierce determination to love this woman, even though it would require a sacrifice on her part. And it just happened that through one of these acts of kindness, Ruth found herself gleaning in the field of a man named Boaz, who, by the way, was a close relative of, of Naomi's dead husband, Elimelech. Now this Boaz was a God-fearing man who also demonstrated to us a hesed love. And so he blessed both Ruth and Naomi by making sure that, that Ruth's gleaning efforts would not go unrewarded. And to Naomi's shock that night, Ruth, she brought home a, an ephah of barley. Do you remember? It was a basket full. Full just from one day's work. And then when she heard that Ruth had been gleaning in the field of Boaz, it was then that Naomi's heart began to soften towards God. For she knew that that this generous man was a kinsman redeemer, one who had the power to bring restoration not only to her, but to her dead husband's name. Naomi understood this kindness She understood this newfound hope that that just entered her life to be coming from the hand of God himself. That it was in God's providence that he had led Ruth to this field in the first place. Well, taking the bull by the horn, she then sent her daughter-in-law Ruth down to the threshing floor in the middle of the night in order that she might propose to Boaz. Now this was a risky plan, for for it broke the societal norms of that day. And yet, Naomi had the faith in this kinsman redeemer that he would do what was right and marry Ruth. But when Ruth proposed, we discovered that there was another. Another kinsman redeemer. Another man who was nearer to Elimelech than Boaz was. And so Boaz would have to go to him first in order to resolve this matter. And that's exactly what he did. 
He, he, he put a fork in this other man's road. This, this other kinsman redeemer would have to decide. Would he sacrifice his own inheritance in order to redeem these two women? Or would he defer to Boaz? His decision was both quick and self-preserving. He was not willing to redeem. He was not willing to go beyond his obligation for the sake of these two women. And yet Boaz was. This man who had shown nothing but a hessed love for these women stayed true to form as he redeemed these widows by purchasing Naomi's property and by marrying Ruth. But the question remained, would Ruth bear a son to Boaz? Or would this all be for naught? The answer to that question would come from Yahweh himself. Look at our first verse. Look at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and, he, and she became his wife. Then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. With all the legal matters now settled, Boaz has brought Ruth into his home and she became his wife. And as his wife, her status changed dramatically. She had now been elevated. She was no longer a foreigner. She was no longer this lowly gleaner. She was not even a maidservant. Rather, she was a wife. She was now part of the family. She was part of Israel. She was a prized possession. You see, the grace of God had, had lifted this woman up and brought to her honor once again. God had brought to Ruth his victory through the elevation of her status. And the first thing that we see God doing then is, is working through Ruth as the wife of Boaz by blessing them with a son. God allowed her to conceive. Yahweh, the author and giver of life, was now intervening into our story. Whereas before, He's been kind of silent. Am I right? It's all been the actions of men. But now, in our verse here, we see that God allowed her to conceive. He gave a son to this newly wedded couple. He has rewarded both Ruth and Boaz for the hesed love that they had shown towards Naomi. And the fact that this child was a son and not a daughter was significant. Not that there's anything wrong with daughters, but it was significant because it was necessary for a son to be born in order to carry on the family line of Elimelech. This boy would be the heir that Naomi needed for her own redemption. And so he was a gift. He, he was this precious treasure that came directly from the hands of Yahweh. And yet because of this, because this, of this boy's status, he, he would be unique to both Ruth and Boaz. He would be 
set apart from all of their other children. For in a very real sense, he would be a sacrificial child. For he would not be their child. Rather, he would be given away to Naomi. Yes, on the day that this boy was born, he was taken from Ruth's arms and brought straight to Naomi. One can't help but to think of another child who would eventually become a sacrifice. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. A child that is given to a mother only for that mother to then give this child away for the redemption of others. What kind of sword pierced the heart of Ruth knowing that this child would not be her own but be Naomi's? Look at verses 14 and 15. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Last week we saw that it was the old man Boaz, who, who took on this role of the kinsman redeemer. But now, the script has been flipped, and it is this newborn child who would be, be doing the work of redemption. And our scene has now shifted from that of a delivery room to the house of Naomi, where, where there was this big celebration. And, and the women of Bethlehem they were all there bringing their praises to God along with their blessings to both Naomi and this newborn son. For they had recognized that it was, that it was God's hand that had brought this child to this woman. And, and with this new son of hers came a reversal of fortune. For Naomi's life would, would no longer be bitter. It would no longer be tragic. Rather, it would be filled with joy. For on this day she had seen the victory of God. And it had come to her in the form of a little boy. In the form of a child wrapped in swaddling cloth. And their prayers for this child would, would be that he would be famous throughout Israel. That he would do great deeds and that his name would be renowned. Again, if you remember from last week, it was Boaz who had received that similar praise, that similar prayer as a crowd's desire that his name would be famous throughout Bethlehem. And yet now the, 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 the wish, the desire of these people is that that fame would be expanded. That the name of this newborn son would not just be on the tongues of those in Bethlehem, but on the tongues of every Israelite in the land. That the victory that Naomi now felt 
would come to all of God's people. Perhaps these women knew something that isn't necessarily obvious to us. That because of the unique way that God had redeemed Naomi, that God had given to her this, this son, this redeemer, that God would somehow then use this boy, this unique, unique child, to bring redemption to others as well. These women recognized that, that he was a providential child, just like Isaac or just like Moses. But their prayers weren't, weren't for her son alone. For these women desired Naomi's blessing as well. That this child of hers would revive her spirits. That he would bring to her new life. That, that he would console Naomi's grief and her sadness and her bitterness as he delivered unto her the bright hope of a prosperous future. For this, this child, he would not only end Naomi's shame, but he would, he would be the one to care for Naomi in her dying days as well. Whereas Naomi's early years were filled with famine, now in her later years, it would be filled with abundance. And all because of this great gift that God had given to her. Because of the son who would redeem her life. But not only because of him, but because of the one who, who, who gave him birth. Because of Ruth. Yes, Ruth is the reason for this blessing. And so they compared her to seven sons. In fact, she is better than seven sons. And this has been demonstrated throughout our narrative, has it, has it not? I mean, think of Ruth's sacrificial commitment when she said goodbye to her mother and her father and, and even her homeland. When she left behind the prospects of a better life in order to follow Naomi as her daughter. Or think about those days when she was gleaning in the fields. I mean, she was the one who, who, who made certain that Naomi would not go hungry. Or how about her obedient courage as she risked her own reputation when she went down to that threshing floor in order to propose to Boaz? And now here, right here, we, we see this hessed love that she had for Naomi, her, her sacrificial love as she was now giving to her mother-in-law this newborn son in order that Naomi's life might be redeemed. It is doubtful that seven sons would do as much as Ruth did or love as much as Ruth loved. Yes, just as Boaz was Naomi's redeemer and just as this child is Naomi's redeemer, so too Ruth has been Naomi's redeemer. For without her sacrifice, none of this would have been possible. And this, this is why these women praised her name. For in her was the blood of a true Israelite. And yet Ruth is a reminder to us as well. A reminder of another who gave up his son in order to redeem others. Look at John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Yes, just as the redemption of Naomi could not have been possible without the sacrifice of Ruth, so too the redemption of all of God's people would not be possible without the sacrifice that the Father made for us. God willingly gave his own son in order that we might be redeemed, in order that we might see victory. Dear friends, I, I, I hope you understand that your salvation, your victory came at a cost, that it was not cheap. There was sacrifice involved in order for you to be redeemed, to be victorious. Well, Naomi's victorious moment would not be complete until she held this child in her arms. Am I right? Look at, look at our next two verses. Look at verses 16 and 17. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. What a glorious moment this must have been for Naomi to, to hold to her bosom the, this long-for child, this precious gift from her daughter Ruth, this redeeming son who came directly from the hand of God. Naomi was once again a mother. I mean, think about all that she had gone through, all the suffering and all the anguish that had preceded this moment. And now think about the joy that she must have felt inside as she now basked in God's victory. This formerly bitter widow had now surrendered all of that, all of those unanswered questions, all of the strife, as she now embraced this child, embraced the certainty that God loved her, that God had a specific love for her. What a joy she must have felt. Here's the thing. The, the, the victory that God brings to his people is sweeter and, and more satisfying than any victory that the world has to offer. For the triumphs of, these, of this world, they're, they're fleeting. They have no staying power. This is why a man can win three Super Bowls and, and not be satisfied. Because a victory like that, it will not last. And the reason it will not last is because the glory is solely focused on man and not on God. I mean, think about Tom Brady. Think about him once again. I mean, the man has seven rings. Seven. I mean, Montana had four. This guy has seven. He's considered the goat. But, but what does that all mean in the, in the greater scheme of things? I mean, all the glory goes to Tom. And for what? Because he's really good at throwing a ball down a field? There's nothing lasting about that. 
nothing of true significance. And ultimately, that's, that's what all worldly victories amount to. <coughs> Fleeting moments of human glory. Yet when God brings the victory, it is so much different. For his triumphs, they are eternal. Because the focus is not on man, but upon him. For in the end, the, the things that he accomplishes bring glory to his name. And that's why they are lasting. That's why they do not fade. This son whom they named Obed, which means servant, he would carry on the name of Elimelech. He, and he would become the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David, King David. What a fascinating turn of events. I mean, thus far, this, this story has solely focused on the common man, am I right? But now our author reveals to us this surprising new dimension as he introduces royalty, royal blood. Obed, this servant of Yahweh, this servant of Israel, would sire a son named Jesse. And Jesse, in turn, would sire David, the man who would ultimately become king, the man who would be the champion of Israel. The very one who would defeat all the surrounding nations that had been threatening Israel for generations. David would be the one to finally bring peace to God's people. And so this victory that, that, that Naomi felt, as small as it may have seemed, it became a victory to the whole nation. Think about it. The, the grace that, that, that had been given by Yahweh to this bitter widow would turn out to be the salvation of a whole people. A people who had been in constant struggle for hundreds of years. And all because of the kind and loyal actions of Ruth and Boaz. Dear friends, I, I hope you see, I, I, I hope you understand that God will use the faithfulness of ordinary, everyday people to accomplish remarkable things. That, that he will use simple displays of hesed love to move mountains. And he does this every day through his church. And he can do this through you as well. Well, the line of Obed, this line of Elimelech, it did not end with David. Am I right? No. For we know that from David would eventually come the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the, the Savior of the whole world, Jesus Christ. Up until now, I have withheld mentioning the meaning of the name Elimelech, the, the meaning of the, the name of this dead husband, the, the name of this man who, whose life tragically ended at the beginning of our tale. 
Elimelech means God is king. How fitting is that? That this one who, who had, had now had his name redeemed, whose name means God is king, would be found in the lineage of Jesus Christ. The lineage of the one whom we call Emmanuel. God with us. Think about that. And it's because of the Hesed love shown by Boaz. It's because of the Hesed love shown by Ruth. And it's because of the Hesed love shown by God himself that would ultimately lead to the redemption of you and to the redemption of me. Listen, there, there are no accidents in this world. You have a sovereign God who is orchestrating all these things to his purposes. And his purpose is to rescue you. To bring to you his victory. A victory that is eternal. A victory that glorifies his name. A victory that tastes sweeter and is more satisfying than any victory that the world has to offer. And if you are in Christ, if you have put your trust in him alone, then that victory is already yours. Listen to the words of, of King David, this grandson of Obed. Look at Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Find rest, O my soul. In God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge true victory can only come from God everything else just withers away put your hope in his salvation put your hope in his son he is your rock he is your redeemer and he is your victory let us pray. Father, we come to you now understanding that only from you can we experience true victory. For it is only through this offspring of Ruth, this, through this heir of Naomi, through this heir of Elimelech, that salvation entered our world. It is only through Jesus Christ the God-man, the one who is our king, that we can be redeemed from our sins. And so we ask now that you would move among us, that your Holy Spirit would awaken us in order that we might believe upon your Son and experience the victory that he accomplished for us, the victory that came from the cross and from the empty tomb when he died for our sins and rose from the grave. And we ask too that the joy that Naomi felt that day 
would become our joy. That her victory would become our victory. We pray this in the victorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.